was in the eleventh hour. On the eleventh day of the eleventh month, 1918. And the time had been agreed upon at 5 a.m. that morning. And so at 11 a.m. French time, armistice was declared, calling for a ceasing of all hostilities across all fronts. The guns were silenced. And while it would be another six months before negotiations finally led to a peace treaty, the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month was the declaration of victory. Now, we sit here today, and I think it's easy for us to think of that with a sense of of national pride like we've done in some of our recent conflicts where we have rallied and said, mission accomplished, America. But in 1918, almost 100 years ago, it meant so much more. It wasn't just about national pride. It was something personal. News of armistice began to spread in France at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., three hours ahead of time. They knew, or two hours ahead of time, they knew that armistice was going to happen at 11 a.m. In Great Britain, news spread at 10.20 a.m. And for the mothers of soldiers, for the wives who had sent their husbands off to war, for the children of those soldiers, for their loved ones, it meant that at 11 a.m., the person they loved, the person they had worried about for so long, the person they had prayed for and, and wept for, was finally going to be safe. See, it's, it's a whole different kind of peace, isn't it? That's a whole different kind of, of victory. It's not just about who's the strongest, who, what's, what nation can, can last out the longest, can hold out the longest. It's about knowing that you're safe and that the ones that you love are safe. When we talk about peace with God, you have to understand that it's, it's not that God went to war against us. It's not that God overpowered us with His superior firepower. But that above all, as the one who loves you most dearly, He wants you to be safe. That's at the heart of Paul's letter to the Romans. And that is the message that we find here in chapter 3. And it is at the heart of the good news of Jesus Christ. And it needs to be at the heart of who we are and what we're about. When we say, what's Kansas Christian Church about? This is what we need to be about. And you talk about a puppet ministry, and obviously what you saw here, this is what they're about, isn't it? It's exactly what they're about. Because there are people in your life, there are people in my life, maybe even people here, maybe even some of us, who desperately need to know that God wants us to be safe, that God wants us to be at peace. I think we forget that sometimes. Maybe it's something we have a hard time wrapping our brains around, and maybe it's something that's never really been communicated to us. Paul tells us very plainly here in chapter 3 how badly we need peace. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 today. It's a very important passage. It's it's an essential passage. You need to understand this passage. While we're going to start in Romans chapter 3 verse 21, I really want to begin in verse 23 because you really need to understand Romans 3 23. You really need to let the full implications of this passage settle on you because this passage is about you. It's about me. It's about all of us. In fact, it says that 
Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Romans had wore down to a science. The Romans were experts at warfare. They were the most well-equipped army in the world, the most advanced army in the world. And when they marched into battle, they carried their equipment in these huge war wagons that had these great big wooden wheels. And those wheels were so big, and the, the, the horses would pull them, and, and they could roll over anything, any rock, any obstacle that got in their way. Those wagon wheels were so big, it was like having a 4x4 four four today. You, know, you could go over anything with those wheels. Now, no one had invented ball bearings yet. So how do you keep a wheel turning in that situation? Well, the axles were covered in leather, and then they were coated with grease. And every day, they had to be reconditioned. They had to be recoated. So every night, when the army got done marching, they would pull all the wheels off all the wagons, and they would rewrap the leather, repair it, and they would coat it with more grease and get it ready to go the next day. In the meantime, all of the archers in the army, they would line those wheels up, those great big wheels. They would line them up in a straight line so that you could stand at one end and look all the way through and see, see sunlight on the other end as you look through those holes that the axles would go through. And the archers, to stay in practice, would stand there with their bows and arrows and they would try to shoot an arrow through all of the holes and get to the other side. And the best archer would, would set the standard. If he could get through seven of them, that was the standard, and somebody had to try to break that record. They would go, and they would go, and they would keep trying to hit and go further and further through the holes. If they fell short, if they missed the mark, the Greek word is hamartia. And I don't often use Greek words, but it's a word that you may hear from time to time. The Greek word is, is hamartia. It means that you missed the mark. You didn't hit the target. You fell short. Paul says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 all have sinned and fallen short all of us have sinned and hamartia the glory of god but i'm a good guy i really am i am a good guy and and i try so hard you know i don't do bad things i mean there's some people out there that do bad things i don't do bad things why can't i be good enough because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Understand this. If you spend the rest of your life being as good as you possibly can, if you spend the rest of your life and never break another one of God's laws, you are still at a deficit. Because you have still sinned and you have still fallen short of the glory of God. That is very important that we understand that. You've missed the mark. It's important that we understand that. When we, when, we talk about, when we talk in terms of peace with God, you have to realize God's not our enemy. When we talk about having peace with God, it's not because God is our enemy. It's because you are your own enemy. I am my own worst enemy. I am the one that's going to condemn myself, not God. We are our enemy. God is offering us peace, not just with Him, but peace with ourselves. The standard has been set. God told us what He expects. And you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. So what can God do about that? Well, 
God could move the standard, right? He could, he could do that for us, couldn't he? Couldn't he just move this, you know, pull the arrow out, put it back where it belongs? Yeah, there you go. I'll change the standard. He can't do that. He can't change the rules because he himself is the standard. He set the standard himself. He is unchanging. So the other thing he could do is he could just abandon us. He could say, humanity was a failed experiment. Give it up. I'll try again. Maybe I'll use gerbils this time. I don't know. You know, just completely wipe them out. He could abandon us. He could let us all pay for our sins through death, through hell. But he loves us. And his only option is to do something incredible, to do something wonderful to bring us peace. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's true of you. That's true of me. And that is all that would ever be true of us. But... Go back, to, if you get your Bibles open, go back to verse 21. I want to look at Romans 3.21. Romans 3.21. But now, the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. I've been reading a lot of commentaries and working through this whole study on Romans. Romans is tough, and I've been getting a lot of different opinions and reading a lot of different thoughts. And one of the commentaries I read, he said that this paragraph, verses 21 through 26, but now the righteousness of God. He said this, this paragraph is the center and it is the heart and soul of the book of Romans. And I believe it. This, that's just how important it is. One of the other commentaries, it said that this paragraph is the most important paragraph ever written. Not just in the Bible, but that this is the most important paragraph ever written. And I had to think, am I equal to the task of preaching something that important? And I wanted to make sure that you remembered it. I wanted to make sure that you never forgot just how important Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 is. But now, and you know what that is? You know what this is? This is the biggest but in the Bible. Okay? The biggest but in the Bible, right there. And I have a big but, right there. That's it for me. That changes everything. If, if that verse wasn't there, if that truth was not there, I would be condemned. I would be going to hell. I would be lost. But now... A righteousness of God has been revealed that's not through keeping the law, although the law and the prophets declare it. The law and the prophets tell of it. Everything would be different, but God stepped into your life. This would be a book of condemnation. This would be a book of your failure. This would be a book of your defeat. But now, because God stepped in, even though we had failed so miserably, but now, God's grace has changed our story. God's grace did not change the standard. I still failed him. I still missed the mark. But Romans chapter 3, verse 23 is not the end of my story. In fact, we read on Romans 20, chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus. There are some big ideas in those verses. 
really big ideas in, in verse 24. You've got justified. And we've got redemption. Those are huge ideas and complicated ideas. So let's start out easy. Justified by His grace as a gift. Do I need to explain what a gift is? Anyone, anyone here ever received a gift? Anyone? Come on. Hands up. Let me show me that you're awake. Show me that you're alive. Paying attention. Or I'll go back to talking about big butts again. Okay? Everybody got a big butt? I got a big butt. Jesus gave me a big butt. You would be lost. But God did this. We all understand what a gift is. Do you earn a gift? Do you get a gift because you earned it? No. Gift is free. Do you earn a gift because you've, you've fulfilled some kind of requirement? No. You, you, a gift is free. Do you deserve a gift? <laughs> no. But you still get a gift. Why do people give you gifts? Well, because they drew my name at the Thanksgiving party and so Christmas party. No. You get a gift because somebody loves you. Somebody loves you and they give you a gift. Because God loves you, He has chosen to change your story. He's chosen to give your life a big butt. Yeah. But God has done this. Whereas you had fallen short, God, through His love for you, through His grace for you, has justified you. We've talked about justified over and over again. I don't know that we'll ever get our brains wrapped around this. But we've talked about how justified means just as if I had never sinned. You've got to let that soak in. You've got to think about that. It's not just as if God let you off the hook. It's not just as if God turned the other way and let you get away with something. Just as if I'd never sinned. I had to tell you, as I was working on this sermon this week, I just kept coming back to that because I've got this feeling that there are people here who have never understood that. And I think the reason we've never understood that is because there are people in our lives who won't let us understand that. There are people in our lives who say, I'm forgiving you now, but I'm not going to forget. And one of these days I'm going to drag it all back up because you're going to disappoint me again and I'm going to mention everything that you did wrong all over again. That's not justified. We talk about justifying ourselves. <laughs> we can't, but we know we've done wrong and we never let go of those things. Justified means that God changes you and He makes you just as if you'd never sinned. It's not just that He looked the other way. It's not just that He gave you a slap on the wrist and said, now behave yourself. Don't do it again because I'm keeping track. Justified means you are welcome in my presence. Justified means you are welcome in my home. Justified means that God is saying of you, there is nothing in you that will ever separate you from me. Do you get that? get that wrapped around your head? There is nothing in you that will ever keep you from me. This passage, look on down verse, verse 26. Why did God do this? Why did God justify you? Verse 26, it was to show His righteousness at the present time. He didn't do it just for you. He did it to show you who He was. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. So that He might be just. He might set the standard. And so that He might be the one that brings you to His standard. That He might be the one that forgives you and that loves you. We have been justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in 
Christ Jesus. Redemption's another big word. And it simply means that you have been bought. You have been paid for. Throughout history, we've heard stories of people. Way back in the Old Testament, they did this. They did this in New Testament times. They did this. They, they still do this today. People who buy slaves, people who go out and buy a slave for the purpose of setting them free. You heard of people doing that kind of stuff? There's organizations you can give your money to today. And what they will do is they will take your money and they will go buy people who are in slavery in this world. There are still slaves in this world. Don't think we got rid of that. There are still slaves. There are organizations today that will take your money and will buy someone out of slavery and give them freedom. You know what that's called? It's called redemption. They have been redeemed. They have been bought with a price and they have been set free. And that's exactly what God is saying. You are a slave to your sin. You were lost in that. I bought you out of it. I paid for you. You had a debt. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What's the payment for that debt? Three chapters later, Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go back to 3.21 just for a moment. But now... The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. I want you to notice it's apart from the law. It's apart from keeping the law. It's not about keeping the law. It's not about being good enough because you can't be good enough because you have fallen short of the glory of God. There is nothing that you can do to save yourself. Nothing will pay the penalty. And God is just. He cannot just let you off the hook. He can't just turn a blind eye. But your sin and your failure are not the end of the story. Because, but now, God has poured out His grace on you through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You don't get it by being good enough. You don't get it by coming to church every Sunday. Oh, you should. You don't get it because God changed the standard, because He moved the line. You get it because there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. Remember, this... This is apart from the law. In other words, it's not by keeping the law. In the Old Testament, if you sinned, you went and got a goat or a dove or you got a sheep, and you sacrificed that because the payment for sin is blood. Blood has to be shed for forgiveness. There is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And because you got, a, you got that sheep and because you sacrificed that sheep, God looked the other way. He Took a blind eye back then to your sin until you sinned again. And the next time you sinned, you had to get another sheep or another dove or another goat. And you had to pay for it again and again. Wouldn't it be awful if we had to do that today? You know, think about how that stain our carpet. It'd be awful, you know? We have to do that over and over again. That's why we don't have a big list of, we don't have a list of do's and don'ts that'll keep you out of heaven. We don't do that. That's why we go back to verse 21. But now... A righteousness of God has been manifested apart 
from the law. It's why he says in verse 22, or verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation, that's another big word. It's a big word that you're never going to hear anywhere outside of church. No one else is going to talk about propitiation outside of church. What is propitiation? It means sacrifice. That's the sacrifice that you used to bring to God. In the old days, you brought that sacrifice to God yourself. And the reason you brought it was because you had made God angry. Your sin had made God angry. And you had to offer a sacrifice that would appease Him. A sacrifice that would bring peace. A sacrifice that meant that He would get over His anger at you and your sin. But, now, you didn't bring the sacrifice. God brought the sacrifice. But now, it's not the blood of a of a goat or a sheep, but now he offered his son, and but now your story has a different ending. It's not about condemnation. It's not about eternal separation. It's not about hell. It's about love. Because but now, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. There's the key, though. Whoever believes in Him. Romans 3.25 tells us that this is received by faith. It's not, just about, it's not just about saying, I believe Jesus was a real person. I believe Jesus really lived and died. It's not even just about saying, well, I believe that Jesus rose again. And I believe everything that He said about Himself is true. That's not it. It's about saying, I believe that all of my hope is in who that man was and who he continues to be. All of my hope is found in Jesus Christ. I believe I cannot do this myself. I believe I can't be good enough. I believe and I will put my faith and my trust in what Jesus Christ did for me. I won't try to save myself. I can't try to save myself. It's all about him. On the 11th hour of the 11th day, of the 11th month in 1918, you realize just how much faith you had to have at 10.59 a.m.? You realize just how much faith there had to be at 10.59? Would the, would the other side really stop firing? Would they really stop shooting? Would they honor the armistice? In your 11th hour, in the hour that you declare peace with God, you need to know this. You can trust Him. He will not hold your sin against you. He will not go back on His Word. He will not condemn you. He will accept you. He will love you. He will forgive you with all of His heart and with all of His being. There's a lot of people here who have made that decision to put their faith in Jesus. And if you're wondering today, does it really work? Does it really work? You can ask them. There's people here who have done this, and they will tell you, yes, it works. It works all the time. It always works. He's never let them down. And if you've never known what it means to be not just forgiven, but to be justified, to be cleansed, 
if you've never let yourself off the hook for what you've done, or if there's people in your life who won't let you off the hook for what you've done, you need to understand that the story of your life has not been written yet. The end of the story of your life has not been written yet. But the 11th hour has come, and God is offering you peace. He's offering you forgiveness. He's offering you love. He's offering you himself. It occurs to me today that there's an awful lot of people who know that here, but there are also a lot of people who, who probably don't. And again, maybe it's a matter that it's never been communicated to you. Maybe it's a matter that some people just won't let you forget. They won't, they won't let you be justified. And we want to pray for you. you know, we receive this by faith. You're saying, so I just have to believe. Well, faith has to do something. You know, for God so loved the world, it wasn't just that God had faith in you. It wasn't just that God sat up in heaven and had nice feelings about you and thought, he's not a bad guy. God did something. He gave himself. He gave his son to you. When we talk about receiving by faith, we're talking about giving yourself to him. We define that by, by just committing your life to him. By saying, yeah, I'm a sinner. We don't want a list. But yeah, I'm a sinner. And yeah, I failed. And yeah, I, there's no way I can save myself. I give myself to him. We, we define that by, by giving your life to him in baptism because Jesus gives that as a sign for us to, to say that my old life is gone and dead and we bury that old person in the water and we come to new life and we receive this wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit from him. Today, if you've not done that, if you've not given yourself to him, we want to help you do that. You've got people here who are praying for you, people here who want to see you come to that kind of wholeness. We're going to have a, our elders and their wives here come forward and they're going to they're gonna be here and if you need someone to pray with you today, and maybe today it's just a matter of, I just need confirmation. I just need peace about something. They, would, they are great people who pray, and, and they would love to pray for you today. We're going to stand together and sing. And if you need any prayer at all, I ask that you come while we stand and do this.